All right, all right, all right. This is day 237. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see our sales. All right. So um, today we begin a new book. We begin the book of Nehemiah. All right. So um, remember, this is a uh, modified chronological plan. And uh, right now we are in the post exile period. Right. So after the uh, Israelites and in, in, in uh, Judeans were exiled to uh, Assyria and Babylon. Uh, they were invited back into the land under the uh, Persian government. And so Nehemiah is this official right in the Persian court. Right. So he is uh, working in the Persian court of Susa. And his name literally means this. Listen, Yahweh comforts. Right. His name means Yahweh comforts. And the ironic thing is, is that God's people need his comfort because they are in trouble. Look at verse three. He says, they said to me, the remnant in the province who survived the exile, listen, are in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's wall has been broken down and its gates have been Burn. This is bad news because in the ancient world, remember, walls were important, right? This would make uh, the people of Judah who returned to their homeland vulnerable to enemy attacks, right? It would make them vulnerable to being destroyed as they were uh, in 586 BC by the Babylonians. So this is bad news. And I love what Nehemiah does as soon as he gets the bad news before he even makes a petition to God, he praises God. Right. And then he confesses. Right. The sins of him and his people. Right. In those days, um, when 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 uh, something like your walls right, were burned down, you believe that that was um, judgment from the Lord. And in many ways, in the scriptures, we see that it is. Right. And so Nehemiah goes before the Lord and he praises him. He gives us a, a, a quick master class on what it means to pray. Right. And this book, really, this whole book gives us uh, so many lessons about prayer. But he's praying to God and he requests that God. God would help him that he would help them and he goes listen and he goes to the place we all should go when we pray to the lord you know where he goes he goes to the heart of god's relationship with his people and that's the covenant right the fact that god made a covenant he established this relationship where he bound himself to his people and he made promises to them that he has to make good on right because he's god and so nehemiah goes before the lord and he presents the covenant to him. And I think we need to remember, listen, in times of great distress for us as Christians, we have to remember our relationship with God. Right. The covenant. Right. The relationship that the Lord established with us. Right. In the person and work of Jesus and the promises he made to us. Why? Because he always keeps those promises. And so Nehemiah goes before the Lord. And then chapter two comes four months go by. Right. And he's before the king. It says during the month of Nisan in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was set before him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had never been sad in his presence. Right. But it says this in verse two. So the king said to me, why are you sad? <laughs> you aren't when you aren't sick. This is nothing but sadness of heart. And so Nehemiah is sad before the king and the king uh, is asking him what's going on. And it's interesting. Uh he says, yo, I just need to make a request right before you. Um, you know, my people's uh, gates have been burned down. And it's interesting how the text says it. It says, uh, then the king asked me, what is your request? And then it says, so I pray <laughs> to the God of 
the heavens. I love it because the, the text kind of interrupts uh, the narrative to tell us that Nehemiah prayed. And I just think that um before, listen, before we make big decisions, they should be bathed and soaked in prayer. Right. Before he makes this big request before the king. Right. He uh, has to bathe his decision uh, to go in prayer. Right. And it's, it's interesting because uh, uh, the text talks about how he is afraid, most likely because in this times, uh, kings may have taken this request as a sign of disloyalty. And it's interesting, too, because he when he makes the request, he's like, yo, like, no, nah, nah, it's not just any place. It's where my ancestors buried, chief like this. This what a fam, this family business. You know what I'm saying? Like this is where the, <laughs> the family buried. In, uh, in the ancient Near East, right, family uh, in, in the graves of ancestors were very much uh, important. Why? Because uh, w- where they were buried uh, signified uh, the afterlife, right? It, it was it was it was a way of uh, signifying that they had an actual. So if you weren't buried in a, in a, in a grave, uh, you weren't taken care of in the afterlife. And so what uh, Artaxerxes hears when he hears this is like, oh, he really needs to attend to family business. And he makes a plan right at the end of this request. He says, yo, um, let me go back and, and just send me with some letters, right? Like send me with them papers too, just in case the governors of the region, right? West of the Euphrates, uh, West of the Euphrates uh, get a little spicy with me, right? And I and again, you learn again here, even in his request that he makes to the king, listen, prayer and planning, right? You see the way he prays to the Lord, obviously, but he also plans, right? So I think we can fall off one side of the horse. We want to plan out our whole lives. We want to do this, do this, do this, do this, but we don't pray and depend on God for it. Or we pray and depend on God for everything and we don't do nothing, right? I remember uh, one pastor used to say that um, God doesn't want us to uh, pray for a hole and lean on a shovel, right? And what he meant was, it's like, yo, like, no, 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 the things that we pray for, we have to be uh, courageous enough to go after uh, for ourselves. And so um, the wall had been broken down. And uh, it's interesting, too, because uh, remember, uh, I don't know if I said this, Ezra and Nehemiah were once one book, right? They used to be one book only in our modern Bibles are they split up for many reasons that we can't go into right now. Um, but uh, in Ezra 4, it was significant because remember the people of God were, were facing opposition in the book of Ezra, right? And Artaxerxes was actually the one who decreed, right? That the last wall be taken down, right? And so for Artaxerxes here to say that Nehemiah can go and help his people build the wall is God working on the heart of a pagan king. We saw this in Ezra. We saw this in Esther, right? God, the sovereignty of God is once again reversing and redoing things as he orchestrates the annals of history, not the most dominant empire in the world at this time. So he goes back, met with opposition from these cats, uh, Samballot and Tobiah, right? They just giving my man a hard time. They're going to give the Jews a hard time, right? And the text tells us this, that they were displeased, right? That Nehemiah was coming back to look out for his peeps and for his people. And they even uh, kind of try to jam them up at the end of chapter two. And Nehemiah's like, no, 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 like God is the one who gives us access to do what we need to do. And so chapter three comes and 
Nehemiah gets to it, right? He 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 goes and scopes out the scene, right? Um, but he gets to it in chapter three. And you see in chapter three that teamwork, hear this, makes the dream work. In the kingdom of God, no, no, no teamwork makes the dream work. We learn that uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a... a a trite saying we say in sports all the time, but it's really true, especially in kingdom business. All of Judah and those who had previously been exiled worked together to see to it that the city was repaired. And Nehemiah stands out as this great leader as he systematically takes on the task, right? The fish gate, the old gate, the valley gate, the dung gate, the broad wall, the tower of the ovens. The text doesn't miss us on any details and the specific people who were involved. And I think we learn from this. You may say, hey, what, what can I get from this? Listen, the theme of ordinary people doing the work of rebuilding the house and dwelling place of God, right? Listen, you don't have to have a title to have a place in God's kingdom, right? When I say that, I mean, you don't literally have to uh, be in vocational ministry. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to be a missionary, right? You can be a regular person and God has a plan for you in a plan and a place for you in his kingdom to help advance his kingdom in the world. And you see here the people of God putting their hand to the plow. Nehemiah 4 comes. This is my favorite of this bunch. Sam Ballot, uh, Sam Ballot <laughs> and those with him begin to verbally ridicule, right? Those who on the right side of history, literally uh, ridiculing the people of God. And I think uh, we learn here, too, that, uh, you know, we shouldn't just expect our work as the people of God. Uh, we, we shouldn't we shouldn't just expect to continue our work as the people of God in spite of opposition. I think the Bible makes the point that we should expect opposition, right? Like it's not just like, oh, opposition comes, we continue our work. No, no, no. Expect, go into doing the work of the ministry, right? Go into doing the like gospel work, w expecting opposition right and here you just see haters gonna hate fam like if you ain't got haters you ain't doing something right you know what i'm saying so they so they working and they're just hating right but unlike um unlike the world right we never stoop, stoop so low as christians as believers to name call right and and and, and to respond back with ridicule with, with with which we've received and the people don't do that here you know what they do they pray <laughs> it's so crazy they pray they pray when they receive the ridicule from the outside looking in, uh, they pray. They pray to the Lord in the spirit of an imprecatory psalm, right? Which is them just expressing the idea that divine justice will be paid for the intent to hinder the work of God in the world. Listen, it is perfectly fine, right? The Bible gives us permission, fam. The Bible is our divine permission slip to ask God to thwart the plans of those that seek to hinder his work. Right. And I love the next few verses. It says when Sambalat, Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites and Ashtadites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem was progressing and that the gaps were being closed, they became furious. Right. They was hating. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw it into confusion. Guess what? Guess what they do again? So we prayed <laughs> to our God and stationed the guard because of them day and night. Notice what he says in verse nine. He says, so we prayed and stationed a guard <laughs> because of them day and night. Listen, prayer and prudent action are friends, not enemies, right? Prayer and prudent action are friends. We need to pray when we are legitimately threatened, but we also need to take precaution, right? And uh, it's interesting too, because one writer says that uh, the ex that external pressure amplifies, external pressure amplifies internal weakness, right? And some here have become 
discouraged, right? The work was difficult. They were understaffed, right? Things weren't going, right? The the opposition made them feel like things weren't going the way God said they would, right? Just like just like us today. And nonetheless, they are they are they are still like doing what God called them to do. And God's word comes to them and he's like, "Yo, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid." Right. And Nehemiah, being this wise and discerning leader, he is he's actually sharp. He he stations people. Listen, he, he he stations a guard around the people as they do the work and he stations them by families. Right. So if it got down to it and things got crazy, folks was going to protect their family. You feel what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Bible so human. And then he mentions that folks continue the work. But they stayed strapped, right? They had their swords on them, right? They had their, their 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 weapons on them. He had half doing the work and half on guard. Verse t- verse sixteen says, and then uh you know verse seventeen talks about how they did labor with one hand and held weapons with the other, right? And then I love uh, verse twenty three. It says, and I, my brothers, my servants, and the men of the guard with me, never took off our clothes. Each carried his weapon. Listen, even when he was washing, right? And he's basically like, yo, folks had it on them in the shower, fam. Like they was strapped and ready to go. No, no, no. They took, they were praying, but they also took precaution, right? And you just learn, man, like God protects his people through his people and through not just ordinary people, but through ordinary means, right? Like, yes, God does the miraculous. Yes, he pushes back the Red Sea. Yes, he pushes back the flood. Yes, he creates the world out of nothing. Yes, he, yes, 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 right? But God also does the things he wants done in the world through ordinary means right and again this wasn't to be rough or tough but to keep the vulnerable safe so that the kingdom work that god had called every believer to do could continue right and i think i think another thing we can learn yes ordinary but also readiness right readiness from the attack of physical enemies and for us spiritual enemies right like we have to be on guard our antennas got to be up as i usually say antennas got to be up right because we do have an enemy and his name is satan right and we have to remember that the christian life the life of the believer is more like war than it is a vacation right we have a real spiritual enemy who has been defeated but he has not been put away so therefore the christian has to be ready for battle to day and i wasn't trying to rhyme father we pray uh we thank you so much for your word we thank you for so many truths that are packed in uh in so many places father i pray that we will continue to unearth them i pray that we will continue to be prayerful and prudent i pray that we will continue to bake and and and, and soak uh, big decisions in prayer father i pray that we would just uh take everything we've heard and learned today and apply it to our everyday lives in ordinary ways so you can do the extraordinary through us we pray all these things in jesus name